Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Maximum Octane. This is Kim Hickey here. And as always, I am super excited about my guests today that I have on here. And you want to talk about two ladies that can do it all? I mean, to tell you, they do it all. And so joining me today is Cassandra and Autumn Burgum, and they are at it. Colbertson, is that, am I saying that right? Colbertson, Montana. And gosh, I don't even know where to start because there's so many things to talk about. But welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us, Kim. I'm I'm excited. So I, I have so much. I'm going to be talking 100 miles an hour because I'm like, whew, I don't know where to, to begin. So so why don't we start? Autumn, you're going off to college? Yeah. Yeah. And and you went to state recently and you run track and your your high school team came in second place in the state. Want to tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, I guess I play three sports uh my cross-country team this fall went to state and we brought home a second place trophy uh I played basketball as well we brought home uh, like a third place trophy for our district and then I went to state track this spring I was able to compete in three events congratulations congratulations and I know that for both of you family is very important and you have a farm and you have so many things to talk about that will hopefully get time to, to circle back to that. But Adam, from your point of view, before we get into all the other things, what, what is, what is the, 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 the shop, the business to you and how it affects your family and all? And the business, by the way, is Highline Service and Hydraulics. And we'll have the links to everything below that you can click on. Um, I guess to me, it's just a big part of our family. We've all pitched in and helped. I worked a couple of summers there when I was younger played a big role in it and then it's just a big part of the community I guess everybody's always talking about it or in there and you get to see all the friendly faces and stuff and it's super nice that's awesome and what was it like working there because a lot of times we hear from the children of business owners of oh gosh you know I'd have spent every summer there it was like jail and you know and it seems you have a very different point of view about that Well, I mean, I didn't always enjoy it. I had to do, like, some book work and stuff like that, which I'm a very hands-on person, so sitting in an office definitely wasn't fun, and it was hot. But, like, when I was helping customers and stuff, I enjoyed that, and seeing how involved, like, my mom got with everybody and what she was willing to do for people was good. That's awesome, and it's wonderful that you get to see your parents in that kind of element, right? Sometimes we only Mm -hmm. see them as, 
just our parents or whoever our caregiver is and telling us what to do and making us go to school and all. It's a wonderful opportunity when you can see them shine and be in their element, right? You see, did you, did you learn a different side about your mom getting to watch that? Kind of, I mean, I see it at home too, how dedicated she is, but it was fun to see how she is with other people. That's awesome. So I want to preface this with there's 700 people to your town. There might be a thousand. There's the, the census is we don't know. But so for everybody that's like, oh, my gosh, I only have 40,000 people in our town. or only have 10,000 people in our town. We can't do this. We can't grow. We can't whatever because of that. And the, these ladies are going to let you know that that is not an excuse. <laughs> And and not a reason because you're growing and flourishing in a in a town of seven hundred to to a thousand people with really the closest bigger cities anywhere from thirty to fifty miles away, right? So there's that. And incidentally, when you're looking at your geographic location of where you can pull your customers from, they're getting school buses in from eighty five miles away to come and and get their vehicle service because they have so much faith and trust in in your business. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. That's so that's crazy. So one of the things I know we you've done great things with processes and margins and all of that, but I want to start out with your culture because that was something that obviously is amazing to be able to bring people from all over the place. You have to start with that culture, right? And then the people, your internal customers are happy and engaged and so they provide excellent service and it's it it comes full circle can you talk to us a little bit about your culture yeah so um i have three mechanics two automotive and one heavy duty um one of my automotive mechanics and my heavy duty mechanic have been there since 2014 with us um the other automotive mechanic has been there this december it'll either be three or four years now um I guess uh, the biggest thing is I, I've always led by example. Um, even before I worked for myself, I had management experience in retail and whatever. And the bosses that I had looked up to the most were the ones that were willing to get in there and do what needed to be done. They weren't sitting at their desk pointing fingers at what hadn't been done by somebody else. Um, so I treat them with the level of respect that I would want to be treated. Um, and a level of understanding and caring about just the rest of their life outside of work um, as well. Uh, Two, I think it's been two years ago now, um, I had finally hired a shop foreman. He was an amazing young man um, who knew way, way more than somebody at the ripe old age of 34 should know about automotive and electrical. He was just... Just an old soul computer guy, car guy, I mean, you name it, he just, and he had a ton of experience, um, and he brought that bright shining to the table for about four months, and I stepped away and wanted to explore some other business opportunities at the time and was going to let him kind of run the day-to-day on that full bore, and we woke up one Saturday morning to a phone call. He'd been killed in a car accident. Oh, Um, my gosh. It, it, in that four months, he was a member of the community anyway, so everybody knew who he was when he hired on. But in that four months, he quickly latched on to our atmosphere, and I guess, come to find out at his funeral, um, talked repeatedly to his parents about how much he loved working where he was with us. Um, 
it hit everybody pretty hard. And it went from, yes, we treat each other like family and, and got each other's backs to there's more to life than just this. So starting right after that happened, I decided that I was going to cook the guys lunch every Friday. So now on Fridays at noon, um, I either cook or sometimes bring in a meal or every now and then we'll go to the local diner instead and support that business. Um, but every Friday, unless I'm not there or unless a lot of them aren't there, um, we sit down and we have lunch. Uh, it started out being something where we could get together and, and break bread and almost fellowship with each other on a different level. Um, and it, I hoped to use that time to go over things that we we're missing, talk about things that need to be done at the shop, um, you know, safety concerns, the things that you would do at a normal meeting. And it quickly turned into they just loved being around each other so much in that hour every week and visiting and telling stories about way back when and how they grew up and this happened and that happened that I've just left it alone. Um, that's just what we do. So for two years now, we've been doing Friday lunches and uh, I know it sounds counterintuitive and I'm sure that the threads on the ATI owner forum on Facebook will not like that I say, I want my internal customers to have a relationship with my external customers. Um, I know a lot of shops don't want them back there and no, I know it's inefficient and it can be distracting and it does drive me up the wall sometimes as well. But like the reason that school brings their buses 80 miles to come see us is because they have a relationship with my tech. Um, they trust him. They've talked to him. They understand that he wants that bus to be as safe as his kid's bus. And, uh, it, it lets people know that we, we, they do care too, not just me as an owner, but that they care about their vehicle and stuff. And so, um, we've just kind of ran with that. Like I said, it does make you want to pull your hair out some days, but it's, it's never as long as you think it is. And I know all the minutes add up, you hear about people, you know, buying new this because they clock this many minutes across their shop and whatever. And, uh, we just can't afford to be like that in a town this small. And I'm not sure that I want to be like that. Um, a few extra bucks isn't going to make or break us for that half hour they might spend talking to a customer that then brings their stuff back to us, no questions asked on the bill, time after time after time. So, Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, everybody has to do what works best for their shop, and every shop has a different personality, and the numbers are one thing. And But you know, when you're in it and you're living it and you're there. And so sometimes people spend a lot of money on marketing and one could make the argument that the time that your internal customers are spending with the external customers is part of your marketing and allowance. You know, it, it's, there's different ways that people market and grassroots marketing in, in small towns is very different than other areas. There's some similarities sometimes, but some of the things are different. And so there's everyone has a marketing budget and if you're choosing to use right part of your budget if you thought of it that way but i love yeah. that excuse yes thank you kim yeah well i mean it's not an excuse it's it's for real right so you right. know you're not doing a radio commercial or whatever you're investing that marketing you know funds into the internal right. customers spending time with the external customers and you have to know what works right and that's yeah. the beauty of the independent automotive world is that there's everybody has a different personality everybody has a different thing that they bring to the table and you you 
have done a very good job of, of figuring that out. So how did you come upon being the owner of this business? So I was managing a shop for an oil field trucking company during the boom in 2011, 2012, something like that. They bought this shop and started it. And uh, the idea they told me at the time was they wanted to make it a shop that was open to the public, right? Uh, We'd schedule outside work and people come in and um, fix things and bill them. And there wasn't much for a shop at the time in the town. Um, And I had a mechanic background from being in the National Guard. I was a wheel vehicle mechanic in the National Guard, Army National Guard. And uh, in high school hung out with the fellas and learned how to change my own oil and things like that. And uh, so it was just a good fit. They needed a manager. I said, sure, yeah, I'll do it. Um, Shortly after, realized that they weren't doing an exceptional job at running that business. They weren't paying bills. They weren't paying their own bills because they were running mostly just their own trucks through there. And uh, I had hired a local crew and finally got things, I thought, in a good spot. And I just didn't see it lasting um, with them at the controls. So talked to my husband about it and said, I, I think, I think I can do this. Um, it would take a big sacrifice. We'd have to put, you know, our farm up as collateral to get those bank loans to do it. Um, and so we did. Well, we, that had to be scary. And, and it is scary every day. <laughs> so, but we, we, we went ahead, we trudged forward. Um, we used some, uh, small business development center loans and some local bank proceeds to actually build an addition on the building as soon as we bought it. So instead of just one heavy duty bay, we added two automotive bays next to it and just started trying to get the word out there like crazy that, yeah, we are a local shop and yes, we will work on your cars and pickups also come on in. And it took, I won't lie, the first several years were a struggle. There was sometimes no paychecks and then you try to figure out what you're doing and just hoping your kids are understanding that, uh, yeah, sometimes the answer is going to be no because we just can't. But uh, things aren't near like that now. Um, we've come a long ways and had made it through those growing pains, I feel like. And we're still standing eight years later. So That's amazing. That's amazing. So you, you have a unique solution for parts availability and... Uh, having some gaps in efficiency because of not being able to get parts and all of that. You want to, want to share what you did to solve that issue? Yep. So when we got going, um, there was a car quest 50 miles from us because that was the closest park store um, that serviced us. Um, I think it was four days a week to start. Um, and then as things slowed down for them, they went to three days a week. I'm not going to knock CarQuest. That particular owner of that store, and he has a couple other stores now, um, he was very patient with us when we couldn't quite pay the bill on time or maybe couldn't pay the bill that month. I won't lie. He was, I owe him a huge debt of gratitude, and the hardest part about saying let's start a parts store was the impact it was going to have on him. I That was the only threat of me that didn't want to, and I just felt like I owed him so much that maybe I shouldn't. But I just decided that it was just it was too hard on our customers and on our employees, and it would be better for my family. There'd be less stress if we could provide our own parts. It got to where they were so busy, um, and a lot of turnover places have that parts were getting forgot. Well, when you forget a part for a customer and you're 50 miles away, you don't have the manpower to bring it down. It meant I was running a lot for parts. Um, then there was a Napa next door that had opened up, and they just... 
every time you ordered a part that was supposed to be there, it just wasn't. It was really disappointing our customers and really not helping the efficiency in the shop. And I just said, we just can't do this. And I'm sure we can provide ourselves some better margins. So I made several phone calls in spring of 2021, starting in March uh, with CarQuest and with Napa and Driven Brands and 1-800-RADIATOR and Auto Value and a couple others I can't even remember, trying to figure out what the best fit was and who would let us have a store. We landed on a place called Auto Value. It's regional. It's out of St. Cloud, Minnesota, Auto Part- Automotive Parts Headquarters, APH Stores. We went out there in September, and the owner sat down with us and had made a slideshow just for us. I mean, made time out of his day. Uh, everybody we met in that D.C. in those flagship stores and in the offices had been there for 17 and 20 and 41 years, and they were smiling. They were happy to be there. They were very helpful. It felt like the same environment and culture as we had within our shop, um, even though it's a huge company. And so that spoke volumes to us. They had a really good balance of automotive and heavy-duty parts, which would help us on both sides um, compared to other stores. And so we just we made a commitment then to let's do it. We'd started a remodel already a few months before that to make it to where the, the shop could have a store in it. Um, that took several months to complete. We kind of had to take our time and chip away at it. So, yeah, June 6th, they all showed up with two semis and about – I don't know, 15 or 20 people and vendors from, you know, Wicks and Gates and all sorts of people, doorman people showed up. Everybody helped unloading truck and setting up shelves and putting product on them. And um, we opened on June 13th and it took a few weeks for people to really get it under their feet. But right away, I mean, the first week we were open, one of my techs was doing an engine job. He comes up, he says, geez, I need a block heater and a water pump and I don't remember what else, some sort of sensor for this truck. And I said, well, hang on, let me see if I can work this new computer system. (laughs) A couple clicks later, I went upstairs and said, here you go. They're all right here. Keep rolling. Um, And it's made a tremendous difference. We had a grand opening in July, on July 20th, and it was on a Wednesday in the middle of the afternoon. We went from 1130 to 1 or 130, I think. And I was terrified that. And a town that small, in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day, nobody's showing up for this. I think even the auto value guys that came over and helped put it on and cook for us were impressed. We think we ended up with between 130 and 150 people there. And I went into it thinking that, I don't know, in a town this small, maybe 50 people is a win. So we tripled that. Um, we had a great turnout. I made a lot of root beer floats. And uh, it's it's really, in the last three weeks, we've seen the efficiency in our shop go from well, where Leanne did not want it to, much closer to where Leanne wants it to. <laughs> We're not pushing things in and out as much. We have the parts. Uh, we get parts five days a week. The store is is starting to really gain traction with the community. I think they want us to be open on the weekend now. We're going to figure that out as we go. So it's made a huge difference. And Leanne is your coach, right? Yes. So, so how much square footage? Because I think that there's a misconception of you have to have a 15,000 square foot warehouse to have a part store. Can you speak to that a little bit? So our retail space, like our store where you can walk in as a customer, including the counter and everything is I think about 700 square feet. And then we added a second story to it or finished the second story of it during our remodel to make room for shelves upstairs for, for back room parts. 
Uh, so the upstairs is about 600 square feet, and that includes about a third of that is like my office and a training area for my techs and my employees when they take like an ATI class or whatever. I've got a table and computers set upstairs where they can go and be undisturbed and do their, you know, their virtual trainings and whatever. And then we have a couple of back rooms that are, oh, they can't be more than probably 600 square foot combined, those two. So we're 12, I mean, less than 2,000 square feet total of store space. I mean, that's retail and and back room storage. So, Wow. I think people will be surprised, really, how little right. the footprint needs to be to right. do something like that. And obviously, the, the experts there helped you figure out what are the parts that move what are or did they pull your inventory and look at the things you were buying and well actually that's that's been our biggest challenge is um we didn't carry a lot of inventory but the things that we kept on hand were the things that went across the board we carried a lot of filters um and then brake pads spark plugs um wiper blades batteries those were the types of things we had, I mean, on hand. Um, and then some random truck parts that go in a lot of semis. And when they came in, um, they had their information to go off of their stores and their markets. And none of them were really heavy duty. They were trying to grow their heavy duty program when we went and met with them last September. So they're still working on that. But, like, they pulled all of our filters out. And we've, on more than one occasion, gone, shoot. We're servicing this semi, and now we don't have these filters because they pulled them and didn't bring them back in. So we're adjusting and changing our our order points and stuff to uh, help manage those situations. But uh, it's that's been the biggest struggle. But they did, I think they did a good job on saying, here's what's in the showroom, here's what moves well, tell us what you don't want. And they listened when I said, I don't want anything that says stock leak on it because I understand people are going to use that, but since... It's a separate business from the shop, and people are still going to tie the two together. You come in and buy a bottle of stock leak, you know, and then it ruins their something or they didn't use it right. They're going to be mad at us as a, as a shop. And so I just said, I don't even want to mess with that because I don't want the backlash from it. Just anything that says stock leak, just take it out of that planogram, take it out of my inventory. I, I don't want it. So, Well, and you have to keep the brand cohesive between the both places and your values need to be the same at at both. So that's wonderful. So you mentioned and and every small business owner and even large business owners started as small business owners at one time. You have to make sacrifices and there's sometimes you have to say no. And I think we live in a world today where people are just like, I can't say no to my child and deprive them of their whatever crazy sneakers they need or whatever. So Autumn, it looks like you have survived nicely hearing the word now occasionally. Uh, can you can you talk about that just for a moment? Because there's so many people out there that are scared to death to tell their children no. Yeah, um, I guess from, <laughs> from a young age, they weren't afraid to tell us no. And I, I'm the oldest, so I got I got used to it, I guess, because I got younger siblings and I knew they wanted things and, like, is more important for me to, I'm the type of person, it's more like a thought that counts type thing. I don't, it does, it's not what I get. It's just that I don't even know how to. That somebody thought of her. Just yeah, somebody so, thought of yeah. me. Yeah. Like I could just get a card and that just makes my day. Like that's it. I guess I just, I just understood, you know, in order to, well, now we're doing all right. We're a lot better than we were when I was like younger. 
and it was it was worth it you know I knew that it would pay off and that we'd be okay and that you can't get everything you want so it just made me yeah sometimes life's crazy like that you don't you don't always get everything you want so it's it's good for people to hear no once in a while because it sets a false expectation, I think, of what the real world is like when, when you always yeah, hear yes. This so. really helps me as a person. I just worked harder in everything that I did to kind of... She knew her grades and her sports could go a long way in helping pay yep. for her college because we've been very Admin, open with yes. them since they were little that, you know, mom and dad didn't get their college paid for by mom and dad. And it means mm-hmm. more if you work for it. Not that we're not willing to help. Um, my parents helped me in a bind when I was a young adult on an occasion, but, you know, they couldn't just pay for my college or buy me a car or whatever. And uh, so we instilled that in them. If you work for something, it means more. Um, Got to have skin in the game, right? Right. And so she, she ended up, you know, she was, she worked hard. She was valedictorian and she was student body president and FFA president. And she was active in sports. Um, All those things paid off with several scholarships she got and then a spot on a Division One track team. And so um, I think she's starting to see the dividends of, of how we pushed her to be that mm-hmm. person. And and we started out farming out here when they were just babies. That was all. It wasn't handed to us. So starting out as a young farmer is very hard. And then once we thought we finally got our feet underneath us, we bought a new business. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't, we haven't really, uh, we haven't really stopped. Every time we think we get over a hump, we just add something new to our plate. And uh, they've been real troopers. They, I think they're better people for it. Um, I know I'm biased because I'm their mom, but they are, they're amazing kids with big hearts and hard work, work ethics, and uh, and a lot of respect. And, and they understand. I think the hard things that come with life. You know, they lost some great grandparents and grandparents that they were very close to, very young. Um, because we lived here and we're close to those people and it was hard on them. So they, they learned to understand loss at a young age and to love people harder because you don't know when they're going to be gone. They've been through some scary stuff. You know, their dad was diagnosed with cancer when you were seven. So she's the oldest and she was seven. I wasn't even 30 yet when my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And I can't tell you what the thoughts through their brain were as a, you know, five, six and seven year old, but I know what the thoughts in my brain were and they were they were hard things yeah. and it was a scary thing. And then right after that, their grandpa got diagnosed with cancer, which was much, much worse. And then a grandma with cancer. And it just, it's, uh, we've been very real with them that life is not easy, but, but it's worth it. Um, if you put the effort into the people around you, you know, whether it be your employees or your family or your friends, life is worth it. And, and being kind and, you know, you don't know what somebody's going through. And so, Thank you for sharing that. There's not enough of that these days of being kind and thinking about what other people are going through and all of that. And the two of you are truly role models and an inspiration to to everyone. I'm sure that meets you. And absolutely, you are to me. And that's one of the things I love about what I get to do is I meet people and get to talk to people that have a profound impact on me in ways that they'll they'll never know and that you'll never know so i appreciate you sharing your story before i let you get on to your busy busy life here because i know you have a lot going on obviously to get to the point you're at today and multiple businesses and keep trying and keep growing and all you've had to make some changes on the way what's one thing 
uh, perhaps an unproductive habit or something that you had to say, you know what, this isn't moving me forward. I'm going to do something else instead that you could share with our viewers. You know, Kim, I don't know if there's one profound thing. I know you gave me the heads up on this half an hour ago and I've been stewing on it, but uh, it's, I think it's come down to my, my attitude because of some of the things we experienced and the hardships getting going and maybe thinking, you know, life's not fair when you're 29 with three toddlers and your husband gets diagnosed with cancer. It, it can build a little bit of resentment and a little bit of blame game and it would be a lot for me. I'm not going to lie. And I won't lie. I I carried that for probably too long and too hard. And in the last couple years, I finally just, I don't know, I just I just kind of gave, gave a lot of that up. I'm not saying I don't have a bad day still. I still do definitely have a bad day. Um, I think everybody's entitled to those, but my bad days aren't as bad. I kind of just give it up to God finally and, and relied more on my faith. And uh, the support of my family and been accepting of the fact that I can't change those things um, and moping or thinking those things or thinking, oh, this isn't fair or why do I have to work so hard or how come we can't make more money or how come I have to work so many hours? You know, it doesn't do anybody any good. I just kind of change my attitude of what can I do to make the people around me's life better? Um, I've sat down with texts in the last year and said, you seem like you're struggling What's your monthly budget? Give it to me. What are you paying? And then figured out that I'm not paying them enough to to get from paycheck to paycheck. And it's not because I'm not paying them, but you know I didn't know what they had going on, and uh, there was some been some big raises involved and things like that. But I just the it can't just be woe is me. It's about all the people around you that's got you where you are and caring for other people. And so you know making sure that they can live the kind of life that I would want to live, um, making sure that my kids can be proud of the people that we are, um, that we're not bad-talking other people or I'm not blaming people for what's gone on in my life. I mean, I think if they see that and if other people see that, uh, hopefully it makes a change. And just the attitude of, I can do this, I just need to get through it one step at a time. The time I wasted just being angry or being mad or wondering why, I had to go through these things or why I had to work this hard, um, why things never seem to work out. I've tried to get just away from that. A lot of the past is in the past. I can say honestly now instead of, and then when I have a bad day, it's a lot easier hump to get over because I'm just dwelling on that day. I'm not going backwards and saying, God, my whole life has been so hard. You know, I, I used to do that and call my mom crying and boy, George, when are things going to change? And instead I just, took the attitude and the responsibility that I can do this and I have faith that I should be doing this and that God's going to help me and my family's going to help me and we just move, move forward. So, Well, I don't know what your definition of profound is, that you didn't have anything profound, <laughs> but that is certainly very profound to me. So I thank you so much for sharing both of your stories and for joining me today. And I hope that Everyone that gets to listen and watch this is as moved and inspired by the two of you that I am. And my goodness, thank you for being you. We need more people like you out there and more role models. I and- still don't. I still don't see the. I guess when Leanne wanted me to do this so badly. I mean, I see what a great kid I have here. Don't. I'm very proud of that. But 
I just feel like we're just doing our day-to-day, Kim, and I just, uh, I don't understand what's so special about it, but I appreciate that very much. It makes me feel better about what we are doing, because, like I said, it just, uh, it's a small world over here, so it doesn't seem so big to do those things, so. It's a small world everywhere, and I think we forget that, too. We, we, right. we do, and I think your humbleness and that you don't think being a kind human is a big deal anymore is, is part of your charm, and <laughs> hopefully we, we can get some more people to think like the two of you, and both of you, I mean, congratulations on all of your accomplishments, and Autumn, I'm sure there's a very bright future in store for you as as well as the rest of your family. So again, I thank you so much for sharing and everybody stay safe, make good choices and stay inspired. And I will be back next week. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Cam. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can. 